Welcome to Accounting High. Today's topic is projects, where Scott and Nick share a small but useful piece of practical advice as it relates to running their professional accounting firms. This episode is brought to you by the letter P. Of course, as always. Yeah. You know what? It's Friday at Accounting High. Make varsity, no doubt. Play on, players. Play on. Okay, drop the verse. It's going down, welcome back. Team of coaches are ready to teach promotional price packaging. No doubt, accounting high, put it down. Never about the numbers in accounts, but I can figure that out. Tell me who got hot takes and tips. Attracted teams, I coach Mac did. Price and fear patterns, mindset proactive. Still moving this forward with my homies Mac, Queen, Dave, Kenji, the original coach trainers. Outsource teams now, good loan. Creating cultures with real owners, wow. Systems for when you're not around Cover much ground Stop breathing, slow down Getting paid is the only way Each and every day Recurring models great Get ready, open your mind Wild. Learn and power your firm Free your time East side to the west side Pushing value price at accounting high We got tips in our bag Stacking up your cash Practice with the top of the class Clients need service because people are the purpose. Lace up, it's like phys ed, it's immersive. Friday at Accounting High, let's begin. Your people are the purpose. Make varsity, it's time to level up. Level up. People are the purpose. Make varsity, it's time to level up. Level up. Your people are the purpose. Make varsity, it's time to level up. Level up. Your people are the purpose. Make varsity. It's time to level up. Lace up. Introducing the star of our show. Nick's McKenzie and Scott Scarano. We're going to have a problem here. Today's topic is projects 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 yeah so i think uh most people nowadays don't really want to take on projects right do you take on projects these days we're kind of scared of projects sometimes i'm so scared to price them i'm so scared that they're gonna be the wrong project and take too much time and then that's all everybody's talking about is this client with this project and we're still not done with it and it's been seven months and we're still (laughs) handling a lot of all kinds of projects, right? So like, let's define project. When you say people don't want to take on projects, what are you referring to? I think of a project as something that you know is not going to be recurring or unlikely to be recurring. So for okay. example, someone comes to you and they want to sell their business and they need three or five years of financials recreated and then possibly help them through due diligence and then they're gone. So a huge spike in work, but potentially if you price it right, you can make a lot of money. Well, we have in the past too, and we still are because technically ERC is like a project. That's true. Actually, it, it's kind of, but but projects, that was our big, like we had a separate revenue category 
on uh, because we knew it wasn't recurring, but there would be like these twenty thousand dollar jobs, forty thousand dollar jobs, sixty thousand dollar jobs that we were getting, and it only grew, it only increased because then we yeah. knew that we knew how much we didn't like it. So then I would price it even higher the next time, and then higher the next time. Is it worth it? Well, with the projects, you definitely have. To, I would say you have to to price it three to three to five to ten times higher than you would a normal engagement because of the capacity that it takes up because you can I mean I do like using projects if we get a really big project let's say it's 10 grand a month for the next six months or something right that is a good opportunity to hire and train somebody so if you were wanting to bring on a team member a new team member make a little bit of margin use that to train them and then the risk is when that project's over right that revenue falls off but a way that you can protect yourself. And one thing we do, one is either you price it really high or two, if it's a monthly engagement, you can have a 30 to 120 day cancellation clause, depending on the size. So you can say, okay, as soon as you give us notice that you don't need us anymore, let's say you're doing a temporary staffing job for a client, which we don't do, do any of that, but let's just say you are, for example, you can say, okay, well, as soon as you give me notice that you don't need us anymore, you still have to pay us for three months after. And what that does is it, it preserves that time for that staff member and then allows you to recover that revenue elsewhere. And that's really the only way to, to protect yourself because otherwise, you know, your situation where the revenue, they could say, hey, I don't need you tomorrow. Then all of a sudden you have this full-time staff member that you hired and you lost that revenue. And yeah, and, and it takes some time to backfill that too. You know, if you did want to backfill it with recurring work, you're going to need some more padding to fund you through that, through that fill. And it's like, it's, it, it's, it's definitely capacity planning. It's also the risk of it being an endless project that basically never ends. And you almost risk not making that much money on it too. So one thing we do with, to avoid that problem, cause I've had that before where the, the client keeps coming back after you think you delivered the final product. Yes. So one, we, we have, we have phases, um, and we write them all out in the project plan and what the final deliverable is. But second, we put a time period that they can give us feedback. So if the deliverables financial statements, we'll say you have two weeks to give us any changes feedback after that, the project is considered terminated and anything else. If you come back to us, will be a new project or build at an hourly rate. Because I've definitely had that happen before when I didn't put that clause in. And then six months later, the you know the owner never looked at the financials and then they come back and they want to make changes. And it's this never ending, <laughs> like you said, doesn't end. It's like what yeah. I, there's this liability that keeps popping back up. So definitely want to make sure you put that clause that, that after a certain trigger happens, they have X amount of time to do whatever they need to do. And then the project's considered terminated. Setting clear expectations. That's yes. a, you know, just what you're doing in the beginning and letting them know this is what to expect at the end. And this is how to like, that's got to be clear in any relationship, any business relationship, but it's hard when there's a lot of unknowns. So build in yeah. and factor in anything that's possibly an unknown. Well, here's what's, what is known. We're going to be charging you for it. And here's the time frame. you know, Sometimes you don't even know how long a project's going to take, too. Yeah, so and that's the that's scary the, part with fixed fee uh, pricing it. And <laughs> we had a we have a, a prospect right now. I'd say it's maybe a fifty fifty chance they close, but they it's a they're doing like seventeen million a year in revenue, and probably going to sell for thirty five million. 
So this shows up on our desk and we're like, well, man, we really want to value praise this. But, and it was a really good conversation on our group chat, which you were a part of, and everyone had different opinions. Mm-hmm. I think the most aggressive was Will. He's like, take 10% of the sales price. <laughs> um, and I'm like, okay, that's going to make us look like an ass if, you know, you, in order to value price, you have to prove that you're valuable, right? And you can't assume that there's not other, any other firm that they could go to. So oh yeah, our proposal ended up just taking it. So it's five years of financials that they wanted done on a cruel basis really big project. We think it's going to take four months of, you know, you know, maybe 40 hours a week between two people. So, uh, we ended up pricing it as I think like 25 or 30 grand per year that we go back and do. So it's going to end up being, and then maybe an onboarding cost, I think is like 150, 170 K. But that to the business owner who potentially is going to sell their business for $35 million, I think is fair. And I know that we'll get it done right and they'll be able to sell their business. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. I mean, it's all about finding balance between something that you think you can get away with up front, but then also justifying it. You got to justify it to yourself, whatever you're pricing. And with, with a lot of these ongoing projects that have an unknown timetable, you got to be able to try and price the unknown, but how do you set an expectation for something that you don't know how long it's going to take? When you when the client says, okay, how long is this going to take? Do you have a roughly out of pocket two months, or like what do you say? Yeah, so we actually in this engagement because we we were so I mean, he had a lot of information that he could provide us, and so we made sure that he we asked him for bank statements going back to 2017 because sometimes clients will say, oh, I have all this information, and then they don't during the sales process. But then the other thing we did is phase one, and we said we're going to do a test year where we're going to go test, like basically make sure that we have all the information is available that you said was going to be. And then we're going to do that year. And then we have the, we reserve the right to increase the price. If something that you didn't tell us during the sales process pops up. So we're trying to mitigate our less with that, mitigate our risk with that one sample year. Yeah. So there are some upsides to certain to projects, you know, it could lead to a recurring revenue could lead to a client. If you take on, a big conversion project. We used to do a lot of conversions from QuickBooks to zero. And, you know, it was always the potential of, okay, this is going to be a great long-term client. And that's typically why we would take the project on. And then sometimes we just lose focus of them being a long-term client. We just want to get the project done and get them out of the door because they suck, you know, (laughs) whatever it is. I find that they almost always turn into long-term clients and people think they're going to sell their business in a year and it ends up being three years. It's never as fast as they think. And then they need someone recurring. We had a, a prospect come in last week and we just didn't have the energy. Like their in-house bookkeeper was retiring and we were looking at the financials and their systems and we're like, we're going to have to spend so much time fixing everything on unraveling this 20 years of of history and then recreating it and Ashley and I were just like we don't have the energy to deal with this like we're gonna pass I know it's sometimes it's not worth the paycheck it's not worth what they're gonna pay you even if they'll pay anything and sometimes the more willing they are to pay more then you know there's another problem there because that means that they probably have you know if, if they're definitely willing like the ones that accepted these $40,000 proposals immediately, I look back on it and I know they probably got some other bids or they probably had a failed project already. And now they're just trying to throw money at it and try to get it done because they know they can't do it. 
sometimes doing a small project can get you in the door and it can actually help you get to the point where you can value price later. So mm -hmm. we, we had a, um, our biggest client right now. They wanted to pay us $500 a month when we first started yeah. working with them. Now they pay us 20 grand a month, but yeah. that was just evolution over time of providing more value. And that started with a, with a project, like a discovery project to, to evaluate their accounting function. So I definitely think that projects can lead into long-term work if you have the capacity and it's just making sure that your team is, you know, if you don't have the capacity and your team is already at, is already working, you know, 90% chargeable each week or bill, you know, to billing the clients, they probably don't have the capacity to take on another client. So you have to, you do have to think about that for jamming more work down their throat. So project management, once you do take on a project, mm -hmm. managing it and managing the workflow, the capacity, because each project they're sometimes bespoke, sometimes they're different. You don't really have clear processes. You know, you might have people that are dedicated to doing that, but like it's every onboarding client is an onboarding project, you know, and it's an onboarding thing and it's always a little bit different. I think having people that a clear person that handles projects versus somebody that handles recurring work and that's an accounting manager, they should be probably different people. It's one thing that Chris has argued at the firm is, is we don't want people on that are doing recurring work, doing the onboarding and doing the one-off projects because then we really can never measure their capacity. It's, it's hard. Yeah, the onboarding is tough. It's the same thing with the projects where it's this huge spike in work. And then same thing, I'd love to have an onboarding person that just does onboarding. But then the challenge with that is you have somebody that's, you got, you're passing on the context between the salesperson to the onboarding person, then to the recurring team member. Definitely talk to different firms that do it differently. Like Chris Williams, I know his firm, the, the ongoing account manager does the onboarding, whereas a lot of firms, other firms I know, they actually have an onboarding specialist that does the onboarding. And I don't know if that means that they actually go in and do the retroactive work too, or if it's more of just the administrative side of getting all the documents. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we have started to start the recurring work immediately, and the retroactive work is done in unison, but it's not like we mm. wait until all the retro work is done before we start the recurring. We'll want it. We'll set up a, if it's zero. We'll set up a new zero file. Try to do anything that we need to do to pull the right data in. But then we start doing the work right away. That's um, interesting. Okay, because we've we've kind of gone back and forth on that with some recent projects that have come in that are recurring as well. Of do we attack the immediate problem first and keep doing it like it is, or do we say let's start from the very beginning, do all the retroactive work, clean sword. it up. Set yeah. up the chart of accounts, start from day one. Set and then... the right rules up with all the transactions that already exist. So then the yeah. new ones are already going to have rules, right? Yeah. There's benefits to doing the back work first. There is. The, what we found, though, is to manage the capacity, to manage the client, and to let them know that they are getting something for their monthly price. Because if we want them to start paying monthly, then we should be doing current work, too. Yeah. I think that's that's the only real justification I have, but I think it's... I've always justified it in the past where we should do the back work first because then we get a full understanding of everything with this client. Yeah, that but. definitely it would stress me out to try to start, like jump in and then try to go backwards. I haven't tried it before. I will say I that it, is, it is annoying when you're trying to, you're doing the retroactive and then there's this gap, right? So let's say you're moving over to zero and they're on QBO 
And then there's a month gap where they're sending out invoices and paying bills. So you have to manually convert that in between periods. So you're like mm-hmm. trying to get it done as fast as possible. So that's, and then say, okay, on this date, now you're going to invoice out of zero and get everything converted over and them going, it's, it's stressful. Yeah. Well, I, I guess you could figure out processes for that if you do a lot of it. And the thing is, is that it hasn't been as commonplace to do these bigger projects. A lot of them were just, you know, it's kind of like the the efforts of the sales process is reflective of how much we can handle at the time. So I don't really care about landing <laughs> some projects because I don't want to have to take on all that work. It's like, ah, uh, you know what? Let's just start you in January. It's like, it'll be August. And I'll say, you know what? Let's just let you finish out this year doing whatever. And then we'll start you in January. And when I was hungry, I would be like, yeah, let's convert this nine months of data and then have you current before the end of the year. So it's like all about what you want to take on too, right? Yeah, we will definitely slow roll the sales, you know, book out the meeting a couple of weeks from now. Like we're we're busy, right? We're rolling off something else and we're trying to push out the the sale, the start date. But that's another thing I would say. The client's, the client's emergency is not your emergency. I mean, how many right. times have you had a client that says, oh, I, is it, it comes to you in a panic is like, I need to get started right away. And then you send in the proposal and you don't hear from them in a, in a, for a month and they come back and you're like, I thought that was an emergency. So <laughs> it's never an emergency as long as you've got somebody. Well, we do that on our intake form. We, we have them measure the urgency of it. We say, you know, urgent and important is a 10 and, you know, important, but not urgent. It's like a five. And, you know, it's just like I had a call today where they didn't even show up, but they put a 10. Like, how could it be a, have been a 10 and you don't even show up for the call? Probably Sometimes that's the, probably the type of person that was always putting out fires. Yeah, yeah, they like they 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 figured out a solution for it, and then they come back to you and say, "Oh no, 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 no I have this problem." Yeah, it's like so. Uh, what are you? Is there an answer you're looking for on, on is that? It the or firefighter that starts the fires just so they can put it out, right? Like the person that puts. And I don't mean to draw the analogy to firefighters. I don't think Mike is somebody that starts <laughs> fires, but there are people that start fires just so they can put them out, so they feel like yeah. they've accomplished something. You know, yeah, break so, something just so you can fix it. Have you found a correlation between the way people answer that question and if they're good clients or not? Yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Like I now I'm at the point where we can look at that form and it's like, all right, well, if they put low prices as one of their qualities that they're looking for in an accountant <laughs> and a 10, I don't even want to get on that call. Like this is, if they their problem is the most urgent than anybody else and they put low prices. I'm taking notes on this. This is good. They are, and, and then and then their budget, if their budget's definitely low, oh, well, that's low prices too. But it's the way that they answer certain questions too. So we have some free form questions and we ask them what's something that they did last year that they look back on with pride. And some of them don't even have the time to bother answering that. Or like something that you're proud of, right? Like talk about something that you did or I don't know, different like open-ended questions based on how thoughtful they could be to answering that versus what does this have to do with this survey, you know, or, or something like that. Like, it's got, like, you know, it's correlations, right? Between somebody who respects your time and respects you versus uh, my time is more valuable than anybody's. And why are you why why should I even bother doing this? I just want to pay you and get this over with, right? What was your what was your uh, budget question? How do you frame that? <laughs> so, um, it's not the three qualities. Yeah, well, how do you the, ask them about? You said price. So the three. So the three qualities will will ha- we have like I don't know like fifteen attributes of 
what should people should be looking for, but then we sprinkle a few bad ones in there. One of them is we'll bend the rules. And if somebody picks a combination of we'll bend the rules and low prices, boom, they get kicked out of the survey. It's like a, it's a little, um, uh, it's, it's a little Easter egg. Like if, so it doesn't even, it doesn't even get to schedule a time with you. It's just, you cannot schedule a best. time. Yeah. They basically have a, have a picture of somebody that's like, sorry, you know, like it's oh, one so of the you form. actually just let them know like they're not a good fit. Like you failed yeah. the test. Yeah, you you uh, you have not, and you know, one of them is transparency or accountability or honesty or uh, knowledgeable. One of them is has a physical location. Well, that one has to boot them out, right? Like so, we're we're trying to add things that if of these fifteen things, if these are your top three, we're probably not going to be a good fit anyway. You know. Um, so. Now, did any of those go go back to your? I'm mean, kind of. They probably go back to your core values, right? It's like trying to mm-hmm. find someone that aligns with you. Yeah, we definitely have our core values in there, and we have things that you know we we know if we we basically kind of internally surveyed our current clients, like what makes them a good client. You know, kind of like you do with your core values for your team, and you look at what are the qualities of a team member that uh, you know we like we want to replicate. And that's inherently who we are and inherently who the clients are. You can't change something about yourself. So, you know, as much as somebody wants to put on a front, there's a lot of different ways to filter that through. Again, don't know what ha- this has to do with projects, <laughs> but that's, that is like part of filtering out if you want to take on a project or not is yeah. the type of client because it could be the same type of work, but based on the person's expectation of perfection, mm-hmm. bringing it back to last week's episode, if they want something perfect, then the job's never going to be done, right? Yeah. That project will never be over if they're expecting perfection. So yeah, it's you're managing right. their keep, expectations. Keep giving you feedback and wanting to change things and you get yourself. Right? Yeah, you kind of have to protect yourself on that too. The other thing you could do that I, I haven't successfully done is use subcontractors. If you could find really good people that just want project work and then you get projects that come in and say, hey, here, do these three years of financials. That would be a nice solution, I think. But yeah, I feel the, I, I have a hard time with quality thing. on that. Right. If it's quality, but also like who's going to manage the relationship? And if they are managing the relationship, then why are they a contractor? Why doesn't the client just hire them directly? And it's like, well, you put you brokered it, put it all together. But at the end, you want to have the control over how the work's done too, if it's you representing that. So there's there's different reasons to have contractors, but that's a whole like 1099 versus a W-2 is the control you have over how the work's done. So it depends, you know, what you want long-term out of it. If it's just a one-off project, you can definitely be profitable if you have a contractor. Right. Depending on the project, you have to have someone that can come in and understand what the goal is. Um, in my case, if the goal is to sell the business, right? Like I can go in and say, okay, I know exactly what a buyer is going to look like and how we need to structure the financial statements. So someone like me is going to have to work with the lower level staff, say, hey, this is how we need to break out the revenue. This is how we need to break out the cogs. We need to move these things below the line because they're not recurring and sort of manage the process, which you could probably use a, recur- or a contractor for that if you found somebody good. But it just takes, yeah, yeah it's, just, it's just trying to figure out who you have on your team available and depending on the, on the complexity of it. I mean, I would love to do, I would love to just be the firm to go to when people want to sell their business and take on these massive projects and take a percentage of the, of the sale. We were like known for that, but because I think we're pretty good at it, but it's, uh, it's hard to well, find, there you go. get those you whales. Can, yeah. Well, you can start marketing to that and start telling that story, you know, take some of those whales and, and tell their story. 
yeah. to the listeners. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we've been through a few now, and it's and they've had successful exits. So, yeah, that is that is case studies. Oh, do you have a ponytail? I do. Yeah. Where, since when do you have <laughs> my that? My kids love it. <laughs> I guess I haven't it. seen the back of your head in many, many months. I know. I have long hair now. What's the What's their reaction? It looks stupid. No, I like it. It's different. Right. Do you guys watch American Idol? Uh, no. Okay. I love American Why? Idol. Who is it? Who, oh, it just the... reminds me. There's like always some oddballs on that show. Just... Oh, so not, I'm the oddball. Not oddball, but people, people with different the hair. has their... Ponytail. My daughter loves the pony. Aria loves the ponytail. Does she I, um, do it for you? Brush it for you? Um, no, she doesn't. I use her hair things though. Okay. <laughs> now you I, know um, what it's like to always that be a girl just always need a hair tie. Well, again, I like if I don't want to just move my hair, or now it's like if I don't want to do my hair because it's long. If I don't want to like it, if it's all messed up, I'll just put it up. It's easy. Right. Yeah, I wear my hair in a ponytail like almost every day. Yeah. So I'm going to keep growing it for a while. We'll see. And uh, for projects, you know, I I think the the last bit that we want to talk about is just the projects, right? Why are certain parts of inner city called projects? Mm, Okay. I'm not sure. I don't know. Do you know that? Is it because it was a project? It was an experiment? Or is it... um, why is it called the projects? I'm just curious, actually. Again, nothing really to do with accounting, but maybe we can pull a tie in. Oh, it's short for public housing projects. Public housing projects. Again, mm-hmm. is it a project like a... Um, projects built in, in mass during the mid-20th century were infamous for being large-scale, bland-looking brick apartment towers often built on the same plot of land offset from the street. Probably just cheap cheap housing. Yeah. Public housing projects. Learned something so, new today. Interesting. Yeah. So that's that must have been a pretty big project to plan and put together to build and budget for. And that was probably easy because it was replicatable. Um, obviously, low margin type. I guess, who, who knows? Mar- high margins for some people, low margins for others. I think that's, that's the kind of thing with your, your firm, too. You want these projects to be highly profitable. You want them? Oh man, we are off the rails here. <laughs> I'm trying to tie this into <laughs> no, projects. No, you're on the right track there. Yes, you absolutely. Okay. You have to price them correctly because you're taking more risks. So if something happens, you you have enough cash stocked up, right? When that project's over, if you have to hire somebody, you've got three months worth of cash to go out and get new revenue. <sighs> I right? have too much cash right now. Yes, yeah, definitely. I'm having a hard time with all of this cash. I don't know what to do with it. Good problems, right? First world problems. Oh, Jesus. You're paying for yeah. drinks no, in I've, San I've, Diego. Yeah. Anybody needs a job, I got the cash. I can. I, I got to do some more hiring. <laughs> Your we just hired somebody new. Going to come asking so, for more money. Yeah. Ah, they can see the books. My books are open to anybody. I'll share them with the listeners too. Projects are, are something that... Um, that you should really be thoughtful of. Look back at your more profitable projects. Oh, projects, zero projects, zero projects. That is something I had a call on today too. I should have tied that in earlier, but let's talk about that. That's like job costing, right? Yeah, we have one client that uses that or that we set up on it. Yeah, 
made a lot of effort to get projects really working good, and now they're really pushing that. So for anybody that has verticals in agriculture, construction, or hold on, agriculture, construction, or real estate, Mm-hmm. Zero has teams dedicated to that now, and they want to help. Mm, they had a long call with us talking about construction and how projects could be beneficial, and, and we talked about all the reasons why projects have been hard for us in the past. And mm. we did go into detail on what hasn't been working, and it's the difficult thing is getting all of the materials and labor coded correctly and into the system correctly without having a full-time person doing that at the firm or at the, at the construction, you know, at the um, client. Either the client needs to have a full-time person that's handling the day-to-day of that, of tracking, or the firm does. And if the firm doesn't have the resources to dedicate to that, are you going to have a full-time person working on just four clients just doing all of their coding to jobs? And it's a lot of communication back and forth too. Like where did this one go? So yeah, we have one client that was, oh, that was talk about projects. One of the worst migrations ever because they had projects in QBO. They wanted to move to, to zero. They're on build.com and in, in QBO and that all these projects, we had to set them all up in, had to build out the whole workflow, train them. Anyway, they have an in-house person that does the AP and AR, but we have them, the workflow, you have to do it through zero. We have to enter it in zero first because build.com, you can't tag a project. I don't right. think any of them like Radable does either. So you definitely have to enter the bill and in zero tag it to the project. And there's like a couple extra steps to set it up properly. And then the client maintains another spreadsheet and there's like a tie out that we have to do and book the whip and all that. So we're trying to offload that client right now. And then the labor hours have to, they can't be, so you can, you can track the time and everything in zero, but uh, that, that doesn't really cleanly push to a payroll platform and then when the data comes back out of the payroll platform they don't have it coded for project so then getting that coded correctly or agreeing and reconciling with the project data that you already recorded and then the gl data is going to hit the bank is just one big lump sum anyway so then matching that up yeah i would probably do the projects coding in gusto and then create the departments and put it through. Zero I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do the time tracking yeah. in, in zero projects is pretty limited. Right. Well, that, that's, that's the problem with it right now. So they're, they're, they're working on fixing that or they were talking about it. They mentioned a couple apps that work. So if you do have construction clients, Tradeify or CoreCon are two apps that are part of the zero marketplace that they were kind of pushing and talking about. So yeah, I mean, it's funny cause I had that call today about zero projects. So I figured we should definitely mention that. Give Zero a shout out, one of our supporters. So, projects. Take on your projects with care and with intention. I think sometimes you end up winning on some, you end up losing on some. But if you can minimize the loss and still try to make money on all of them, you know, again, they're not all going to be profitable, but it is not a bad idea if you take on a lot of projects to use zero projects to track that if you can, because the reporting capabilities are kind of cool. So I don't know. Most of it's going to be time. <laughs> you know, it's, if yeah. you've got to look at profitability and you're not tracking time at your firm, you're not really going to be able to allocate much of the labor on there. So I have a question on that real quick. Does uh, Carbon allow you to track time and then see your project profitability? Yes, you can. Okay. 
I think I need to get on carbon. Yeah, because we're trying to build a little app that will that in, that Not will take project, T sheets but by data. Client. It kind of yeah, basically by well, carbon's got the data within it. So you can track like you can you know, track it profitability by, by client. Client by project line. So if I wanted to see it by jobs. By jobs. Yeah. So work items is, is Do you take all your notes in carbon too? Yes. Do you share that those collaborative Everybody clients sees on it? it? Clients too? I don't know with clients. No, no. That's I think the the client facing app is more so Lysio, and that does work with Carbon. But that's oh, you used, not. I thought Lysio was. We a don't use Carbon. Lysio. Oh, okay. It's eventually going to basically they'll both eventually probably be doing the same thing, but they're two different apps. Um, they serve kind of different purposes. One's more of the front office. One's like the back office. So and they're both trying to merge into the other space. But right now they just have an integration. Um, yeah. So the client, the stuff that the client would see and where the client goes would be Lysio, and that should be because Carbon really only has a way to assign something to a client that they can do, and they could drop documents and do certain things, but it's not made for that. So um, yeah, we don't send too many documents back and forth. It's more of like we have a rolling notebook that we have, a Word document yeah. that we keep notes on. I'm trying to get the team in the habit of attaching it to their calendar invite, the the weekly or monthly meeting. And the Google Sheet All too, right. if we like have a cash flow or something. Anyway, so, I die, I diverge. You digress. Digress. Yeah. Urge. You best. divest. You Tired. Um, yeah, yeah. You decentralize your uh, <laughs> your work, right? I have been <laughs> conscious of not saying that word at all since you called me out on it last week for listeners. That I heard 20, it that on your released. last podcast episode, but it might have been recorded a long time ago. We'll see. Yeah. Thanks, Nix. All right, Scott. Take care. Yeah. You know what? It's Friday at Accounting High. Make varsity, no doubt. Play on, players. Play on. Okay, drop the verse. It's going down, welcome back team of coaches are ready to teach promotional price packaging No doubt accounting high, put it down, never about the numbers in accounts, a bot can figure that out Tell me who got hot takes and tips, attract the teams I coach Mac did Pricing fear patterns, mindset proactive, still moving this forward With my homies Matt, Queen, Dave, Kenji, the original coach trainers Outsource teams now, good loan, creating cultures with real owners, wow Systems for when you're not around Cover much ground Stop breathing, slow down Getting paid is the only way Each and every day Recurring models great Get ready, open your mind Wide, learn and power your firm Free your time East side to the west side Pushing value price at accounting high We got tips in our bag Stacking up your cash Practice with the top of the class Clients need service because people are the purpose. Lace up, it's like phys ed, it's immersive. Friday at Accounting High, let's begin. Your people are the purpose. Make varsity, it's time to level up. Level up. People are the purpose. Make varsity, it's time to level up. Level up. Your people are the purpose. Make varsity, it's time to level up. Level up. Your people are the purpose. Make varsity. It's time to level up. Lace up.